our sessions, uh, we, we practice confidentiality, uh, meaning that uh, we, we just don't really need to tell other people about uh, other people's details. Uh, we just, there really is no need. Um, and occasionally I'll say something about a client, like the one who wanted to get married. And, but I, I, I'm only saying that because they have talked about it so publicly, you know, that it's, it's not confidential anymore. Uh, and they've made that clear to me. But basically, otherwise, if I am going to share with you things about a client, I, I will change details and make it unrecognizable. Um, because uh, confidentiality is really essential to having uh, the trust of your client. So we practice confidentiality here just because it's makes for a safe space. So uh, sacrifice is really when you're doing something or giving up something that you don't really want to. It pains you to do it. So can you think of a situation in your life where you would make a sacrifice and that it feels like a good idea. I feel like maybe you weren't so strongly attached to it to begin with, just let someone else have their way this time. Compromise? Is it a sacrifice then? If it's something you really wanted, it could be. <laughs> but if, like, let's say, um, there's one whole wheat glazed donut hot out of the oven that was left. <laughs> and you're like, I'm having that. And then, you know, someone you love comes in and says, oh, is there one, I didn't get one, I'd love to have one of those donuts. And you were, you were gonna have a second one. And you were, <laughs> you were clear. You know, that donut had your name on it. And, but the, you know, someone you love comes in and says, Oh, there's one. Oh, I'm so glad there's still a donut for me. Is it actually a sacrifice to say, Oh, yes, there's still a donut for you? Or, because it's only a sacrifice if you're like, That is my donut. <laughs> <laughs> I was here before you. <laughs> And I don't care that I already had one. There's no rules on these donuts. <laughs> that one is mine. I have my, I had dibs on that, right? But if you love someone, like I think if my nephew Mikey came in and I didn't even have one and he was like, oh, could I have that? I'd be like, you bet. And I'm just gonna take a little bite out for myself and you have the rest and you, oh, so good. I would enjoy watching him enjoy it. And that would be my joy and pleasure. And there would be no sacrifice, none whatsoever. So that's the thing is, sacrifice is when you're doing something you think you don't actually want to do. But truthfully, there aren't that many circumstances in our lives when we're doing things we don't actually want to do. You know, 
somebody is raping you against your will, that's a different thing. But if you're eating someone's horrible casserole so that they're not offended, right, so that they can feel good about themselves, you're actively doing that because you want to do it. You have made some mental reasoning in your mind that this is the good thing to do. Therefore, you have chosen to do it because you desire to do it. You want to do it. There is no sacrifice. So if you marry the idea of sacrifice to something that you're actively choosing to do and you want to do, why would you do that? You see what I'm saying? Say that again. If, if, if you marry the idea that it's a sacrifice and you don't want to do it, with you're choosing to do it and you do want to do it, why would you marry those two things together? Why would you take something that you're actively choosing to do, you're willing to do, you've decided to do it, you want to do it, and then convince yourself that it's a sacrifice, that you don't want to do it, when in fact you do? You know, you think of all the parents who have worked so hard to put their kids through college, and they'll say, I've sacrificed for you. But the thing is, is, well, then that means you didn't want to do it. So which is it? Did you want to do it or did you not want to do it? Which is it? Because if you didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway, you must have wanted to do it. So which is it? Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, like, I did this for you. Right. Right. And when people exactly when that stuff is thrown upon you, how do you feel? When people are like, huh? You feel guilty, or you feel resentful, or you feel like saying nobody asked you to do that. Right. You did it because you wanted to do it. Yeah. So that's the giving to get that I'm always talking mm -hmm. about. That if you're giving to get something, in your mind, it might be a sacrifice. But it's really just a manipulation. Let's just call it what it really is. You're trying to give something to get something. You wanted to get something from me. You didn't ask for it directly. So instead, you're trying to manipulate me. I'm just going to move my computer out of the sun. I sacrificed so they could go to college. Well, why was it a sacrifice? Did you not want to do it? No, I wanted to send them to college. Then why was it a sacrifice? Because I could have had a different life. But which life did you want to have? The one where you provided the college education or the one where you did the things that you wanted to do? Which, which is it? And then people are like, oh. Did you or did you not do what you wanted to do? But see, if you're giving to get, this is where it gets very confusing in people's minds. Because they feel very righteous. And this is one of the most common themes that people bring into 
session work is that that they feel uh, they had no choice or that they gave and gave and gave and nobody appreciated it. But every single time someone's giving in order to get appreciation, they're trying to manipulate somebody every single time. And if you just think of a time when you did something for someone and they didn't appreciate it and you felt resentful, can you think of a time? Angel's like, don't get me started. <laughs> so what were you trying to get in return? How about love, acceptance, approval, validation? It just doesn't work. Because really, no matter how much people, if, if it worked, Marilyn Monroe would be an old lady now. You know? Maybe. You know what I mean? Or Elvis Presley would be an old man. Michael Jackson would still be making music. Right? If, if um, you could make other people feel good about themselves. Because Michael Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, you know, they, they had everything and they still didn't feel good about themselves. No one in their life could give them anything to make them feel good about themselves. So when we're giving to get, we're usually, we're some, it's always some form of manipulation. When we don't feel appreciated, that's when we have to ask ourselves, well, why am I giving? Because I... I give and give and give and give. And sometimes there's just no, not much appreciation back. But honest to God, I hardly stop and think about it because I'm giving because I like giving. You know, I'm giving a free class because I like doing free class. I, I get so many ideas for free classes and my staff is like, no, we can't do that. We don't have time for that. I'm like, oh, that's such a good idea. No, I know, but yeah. And, you know, some of them have learned to say, we know, we know, <laughs> yeah, we can't do it though. You can do it, but you, we can't do everything that has to be done for you to do it. So, have to pick your chance. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying, you know, those people don't appreciate me if, if I don't get, you know, a hundred emails that say how wonderful I am, you know, because I'm, I'm giving... But in, of course, in relationship, if I'm, you know, if I'm giving extra, extra to Lana all the time, am I doing it to get something from her? What do I need from her? If she doesn't give it to me, am I mad at her? Because we had an unspoken agreement that I was manipulating you and you're not giving me what I want back. That happens in relationship all the time. So many people have come to me and said, you know, uh, my husband, my wife, my child, my boss, they're just not giving me what I want back. And they're trying to figure out a more effective way to manipulate me. Do you see? 
So can you see that happening in your own life anywhere? That where you, and it's always going to be where you feel unappreciated. Maybe it's someplace you used to feel unappreciated. My first counseling session with you, I think. Oh, yeah? In 2014. And uh, I said, my husband doesn't appreciate me. And we had this discussion. <laughs> so it, 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 I felt like that was healed instantly. And later that night, for the first time, he goes, same day. Yeah. 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 If you know someone is, is hovering over you, needing your approval, your appreciation, your thanks, how does it feel? Suffocating. Suffocating? Oh, yes. I said annoying. Annoying, yeah. Because <laughs> you feel like you have to do something for them all the time. Yeah. Those were heavy things. Yeah. And uh, have you ever had people just, you know, doing so much for you that you're like, hey, take a break from that, you know? I still, I don't need you to do all these things for me. That's okay. It's so different from someone who genuinely loves you and doesn't need anything in return, who is just giving because they like to give. Mm -hmm. Such a different energy. But one uh, main thing that people come in for help in a session with is, I, I don't feel like people appreciate me. And a lot of times people will push it and they'll keep giving and keep giving. It's like they're looking for, they're creating a, a list, keeping score, right? Has anybody ever been a scorekeeper? Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was, as I listened to you talk, it's experience with my grandma, Frank's brother, 23. And he's quiet, uh, I would say reserved, <laughs> we 
infection. And so it's interesting because I sort of self-corrected because I noticed also because he's a young man and I'm, you know, I know that age too with mothers and sons sometimes the push away is, you know. But you see, I even put that in my head because one day I thought I was not purposely not like being as affectionate. I'm not overly affectionate. I mean, I just give him a hug. I say, well, you know, I love you. Or, um, and then I thought, but, but then I felt myself feeling resentful. Like, well, wait a second. That, that's not me. I wouldn't, I, I do that way with everyone. And uh, one day I said to him, you know, are you mad at me for something? And he looked at me and went, no. And I said, are you sure? And he said, no, I'm just, you know, kind of frustrated with some you know, job and task in the world. And I said, okay. And I know he said one other thing, and then I had to hear <laughs> my higher self saying, you know, back off. <laughs> back <laughs> off. <laughs> Leave the room. And so I, because I'd also stopped, like when I sent him text this morning, for, ever since forever, I don't know. I, I love you, or it just, I wouldn't think of not doing it. But I had, for the period of time, I stopped doing it. It was kind of like a reverse thing. And then, then I did start to feel bad. Like, why am I, like, behaving this way? Because then I started to resent him. Well, that's not his fault. And I, it's not just me. He doesn't, he's not, you know, he's not the sort of, anyway. I mean, we were at a family event the day before I left or going away from it for one of my nieces. And so it's not like he's not large. I have a lot of siblings. So... My older sister and her husband hadn't seen my son in, in quite a while because he'd been working in London for a while. So they came up from San Diego, and my sister came up to me and she said, He is such a good listener. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> I said to my husband, That certainly is a reversal. Like we're thinking, He just, he doesn't, you know, we don't say it to him, but we're like, you know, you gotta express what you're going this way. And when my older sister said that, I thought, Wow, she's seen him as simply a really good listener because he is attentive. He won't say a lot in response necessarily, but her experience was because she's a talker. He must have listened to her. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that perspective, but also in terms of like resentment, and I don't know if it's exactly martyrdom, but I, I was feeling like, you know, really bad until I didn't. I didn't stop. I just, I'm who I am. And he never says, back off, or you're crowding my space. I never hear, feel him pull away. You know, because you can kind of tell sometimes if someone stiffens up, you know. And I thought, well, that's my problem. Thinking, I mean, I would love, that's a very nice, would love, I don't know that I need it, but I, oh, I would love him to be
Yeah, and it, what it, 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 uh, it's related to, Vanessa, is when, like Lana said, when we change our view of someone, they change right before our eyes, too. Mm -hmm. So if we can let go of the idea that they're limited in anything, mm -hmm. you know, and really, it's, it's a tricky business because the ego wants to get involved, but if we can let go of the sense of it's not how I want it, and keep energizing what we would like while not seeing any lack of it. Mm -hmm. So I'd like, I'd like more connection, more engagement with my son, and I'm grateful for everything I have. <coughs> Nothing is wrong. You know, but I just, I would like more of these things. And um, to be in that space is really inviting spirit to come in and fill and to, and to change our minds uh, about our loved ones is, for some people, it's the hardest thing, but it is one of the most powerful things you can do. Not that you're, you've got a lot of judgment on your son, but to really energize that you'd like more connection, but even to say, I don't need it, I'd like it. <laughs> you know, is a way to shift it. Because, um, if you were needing it, that would be a statement of you feeling a lack. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't hear you saying there's a lack at all, mm -hmm. but just that you would like to, to have more connection. And mm -hmm. in, in the ease of connection. That's it, the ease of connection. And I can feel it slowly working because on Mother's Day party, Dave made it, uh, it, it was especially for him quite flowery. <laughs> breaking the relationship, it's easy enough because I'm having greater ease myself. Yeah, and so he's finding ways to express it in the ways that are authentic to him, right. comfortable to him, yeah. But you being able to be completely authentic with your own expressions invites him, it just you know, it just shows him that you're comfortable, you're mm -hmm. um, not judging. But it just, um, it's just different personalities. Yeah. Have you ever done any work with the Enneagram? I know of it. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, when you were born, they used to call me a Buddha baby. I used to be at the marker with my arm, and 
the checkers are going, mm, you'd be like this. <laughs> and if then I had greater clarity, because it's, I'd hear people say, oh, is he okay? And I said, he's fine, he's just checking you out. You're a little uncomfortable, I didn't say that part, but I, I said, he's fine, he's just checking you out. Because I never wanted him to be hearing people, you know, such an introverted person. Just this way. Yep, everybody's got their ways. And um, and still, I, I do think that there's a real um, benefit to being able to hold what we'd like without attaching. Yeah. Inviting it into our experience without attaching, without needing, wanting, craving it. Because being able to say, this is what I'd like, this or something better, without attachment is really, it's such a great exercise in receptivity, in willingness, in self-love. A, lo a lot of issues that people come for counseling about is they don't feel, because it's this great unworthiness, uh, they don't feel worthy of things that they desire to the point where they don't even wish to acknowledge them. Don't wish to acknowledge them at all. It's threatening to acknowledge them because then they feel like it's never going to happen. It's not possible for me. I just don't have to accept it. They can't think about it without loss and loss. So helping your clients to think about what it is that they really would like in their lives. I, I, when I first started counseling, I, I would have people, so what, what would you like to experience in your life in the first session? And I had several clients that said to me, what do you mean? I said, well, you can have whatever you like in your life. What would you like to have? I, Sorry, I'm just not understanding the question. And so then I realized, oh, okay, that, that's too big a concept. They really just want to focus on what's the problem. They're here to resolve problems. And, um, uh, and, and speaking of that, one way to really help people uh, is, uh, since a lot of people will come for spiritual counseling, uh, most, it depends, but most people, uh, the impetus is they're not happy and they can't stand it anymore. Uh, but some people will come because life is good and they would like it to be even better. You know, they'd like to have that visionary experience and expansion. And um, so one thing to be aware of is people may come in with a litany of complaints, right? And they do have a, 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 an objective of relieving their pain, but they also would like to have you agree that these are big problems and they're in a tough spot and their life is hard. They would like that agreement because it, it validates their pain. Of course you're in pain. These things are horrible and they're just happening to you. You didn't do anything for bringing it about. You know, and so 
one of the most delicate things that we can work with a client on is when they are feeling like a failure. You know, in our teachings, science of mind, unity teachings, Course in Miracles teachings, the idea is you take total responsibility for them. But the idea for most people of taking total responsibility for my life is a failure would lead them to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't take responsibility in the same way that we would put blame on things. Responsibility and blame are different things. So helping people, this is how I've worked with it. And I'm waiting for my flip chart because I really <laughs> get some things on the flip chart, so hopefully I should bring it with me here. Um, well, the thing is, I don't have any pens, mm -hmm. and she's bringing the one with the easel. Okay. Yeah, hopefully she'll bring the pens when she brings the easel. Um, if if you can help someone to see that they've been thinking very negatively and their life is demonstrating the negativity, if you can, sometimes it really works to say, can I just point out how powerful you are? Because you're absolutely convinced, you know, that you're worthless and that your life is crap and that people aren't gonna love you and you'll never get ahead and you have proved it, you know? I mean, you have really, like, you have demonstrated it magnificently. But just think if you changed your mind and you had a different thought, just think that you could demonstrate that. Seriously. If you think, you know, your thoughts have power, you just look how powerful your thoughts are. And you change your thought to a thought you like, a thought that would bring you something that you desire, you start really focusing on that thought. I know you're going to manifest that too. It's just up to you where would you like to place your attention on what you want or what you don't want. And I'm here to help you make that shift. But let me just say, I can see you're powerful. You're a powerful manifester. And it's just a matter of where you're putting your focus. So it's not like you've manifested all this because you're a loser. No, 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 no. It's just where you focused your attention focus your attention somewhere else, you're going to manifest different stuff. And sometimes that can really help people go, well, oh, I never thought about it like that. And because it's true, it resonates with them. And they have been able to really say, oh, okay, I'm going to focus on different stuff now. You know, we, we, we didn't quite finish with you and your husband, right? That's when we took our bathroom break. So what I remember, Sue, was you were saying that it, um, you feel like you're the leader uh, a lot, and maybe it's not entirely comfortable for you because he feels uncomfortable making decisions. Uncomfortable making decisions. Yeah. yeah. But your husband's not so comfortable. In some ways, he is. In many ways, he is. But when it 
comes to something that we're going to do together, <coughs> he wants to make sure I'm happy like him. And so you know, I don't feel like he's being a martyr. Right. I think he just genuinely wants yes. to feel like I'm, I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> I hear him say sometimes to his friends, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's true. It's true. It, it's definitely in our culture uh, a sign that a man is successful is that if he's with a woman, that his partner, you know, for a masculine man, if his partner is happy, that's a sign of success. You know, which is why, like, I, I don't know, hardly, I really don't know women who are saying, you know, I would just like to be the provider. So my husband can just do whatever he feels like all day long. Like if he wants to go get massages <laughs> and get mani-pedis and go play golf and paint and do whatever he wants, I just want to bring home the bacon so he can do that. I just, that's what I would like. I've never heard a woman say that ever. But I've heard so many men say, I just want her to be happy. I just want to provide whatever she needs so she can be happy. I don't care what it is. You know? I don't care. I just want to be able to provide whatever she chooses that she can have it. Yeah. That's a sign of success for them. That's like win-win. She's happy, I'm happy. I get to give her the things that, of course, no one can give you things that make you happy. Right? It's not possible. You have to be happy in order to enjoy the things you have. You know? And you have to have healthy self-esteem in order to receive the love and the care and the providing, or, or it won't work, which is why we see, you know, Melania Trump, right? She doesn't seem like a happy person in a lot of ways, and she can have whatever she wants, but, you know, it's not just about having whatever you want in the material world or all of that. But I hear you say, too, that your husband, you know, he, he wants you to pick the movie that will make you happy. Because your happiness, your enjoyment, is his enjoyment. There's no sacrifice there. I guess what brought it to mind was recently his brother called and said, uh, why don't you come, you know, come to our house? And um, he said, I want to treat you and see to, to dinner. What would you like to go? He said, well, yeah, but uh, what would you like to go? <laughs> and so, so I told him. And then I felt like, am I manipulating him? <laughs> no. No, get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. But here's, a, here's a, a, another possibility for you. You could say to him, something like, not that you need to, not that you need to modify in any way, not suggesting that, but just some alternatives that you could play with is you could say, I'd love to find a new Italian place. Find us a new Italian place. If, if that appealed to you, you could say something like that. 
then he can go hunt a cow for you. You know. I think he doesn't really do that. <laughs> then you know, he he just wants to win. He just wants to have a home run without having to get out on the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and uh, you know, some a lot of people are like that. Nothing wrong with that. He knows what he likes and doesn't like. He's making it clear. I just want you to tell me what you want. Yeah, so just enjoy that. I'm, I'm having fun with all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He absolutely adores me. Yeah. <laughs> and I can accept it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, when you were first describing it to me, it just sounded like he really just wanted to be clear. Where would you like to go? So that's what makes him happy. Yeah. So is is there some resistance on your part to just receiving that? Only if I thought he was depriving himself of but it sounds like you don't feel he is. That that is his preference. That, uh, and have you seen evidence of when he does care? Like, oh no, I don't want to go to that place. Like what? Uh, I don't want to go to that restaurant. Like, there are, is there any restaurant that he really doesn't like that you like? Once in a great while. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So it sounds like if he doesn't want to go there, he'll let you know. Uh, you know, in our spiritual circles, there's a very strong belief that it's better to give than to receive. And I talk about this a lot because people are so convinced of it, but it's just not true. We, everything we receive, we receive from God, right? So why would it be better to give than to receive? It doesn't make any sense. If everything you receive, you receive from God, why would it be better to be the giver? You, it's essential for us to be in the flow of giving and receiving. Receiving from God, sharing, just keep that flow going, like a circle. But if we think, oh, it's, I, I need to be a better giver than a receiver, then the flow gets all out of whack. Why would it be more important to be a good giver, or better to be a giver than a receiver? Exactly. Or, yeah, if you would like to feel superior, I'm the giver. If you'd like people to be beholden to you and owe you, then it's better to be a giver. It also, um, it also keeps you in a place where you're not, it keeps you in a place where you're vulnerable. Because receiving is like a vulnerable place where everyone 
Mm-hmm. And my brain goes, ah, because mm-hmm. it's like more, yeah. it feels safer to get it when it gets easy. It's, it seems like it's more of a power position. something that I've struggled with for a long time. It's exactly for what you said. I don't want to owe anybody. I know it's a thing. I'll give, 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 but I don't want you to give to me because I don't want to have to owe you something. Yeah. And absolutely Chris wants to stay with him all day, every week. And you're right. In my case, it didn't. Yeah. It was very hard for me after the flood to receive. People mm-hmm. would, strangers, you know, they were going through everywhere. And I'd be like, no, no, I don't need that. My neighbor needs it. What will they get to me? And it was hard for me. One of my workers actually sat me down and said, I am bringing dinner over tonight. You will eat it. And you will live. Because <laughs> you know? I was like, no, no, I, no, it's okay. You know, everybody's dealing with something. No, it's okay. No, you're okay. But it was such a gift to not have to figure out how to feed all the people that were at my house. I mean, it was such a wonderful gift. I couldn't have seen that. Yep, and it, it's um, it's more the norm for people to either be like slovenly takers, you know, just like oh, they just take, 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 uh, or that it's they're they're the givers and they're not the takers. Those you know are very strong. polar opposites that we see all the time. And you, you, it reminds me, Sheila, of an experience I had when I was staying with um, someone in class with me uh, for a couple of days, and they said um, ahead of time, what would you like to eat when you're here? And um, I don't remember. I might have said, you know, really, whatever you serve is fine, or I might have said, uh, and then maybe they said, how about if I make some fish? Oh, that'd be great, that'd be fine. So then um, the day when I was there, uh, they said, I'm gonna go to the market and just pick up a few more things, and um, is there anything at all that you would like? And I said, you know, if it, if it doesn't matter to you, um, I would like a steak. 
and they said, but you said you wanted to have fish. I said, well, I can have fish, it's no problem, but if it doesn't matter, then I want to have a steak, you know? And um, I think they were actually making steak for somebody else and fish for, for us or something like that, so I, I don't know, it just didn't seem like a big deal to me. But, um, and then later, the next day or whatever, they said, I was so angry with you that you wanted the steak. And I said, you were? And they said, yeah, they said, it took me a while, I had to process it, but I finally realized I was only mad with you because you, you have no problem asking for what you'd like. And, and I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I would never change my mind. Never change my mind. I said, well, it just felt like in the moment it didn't matter. She said, oh, it totally didn't matter. It only mattered because you had permission to change your mind. Where did you get that from? <laughs> you know? So there's all kinds of issues that people have about giving and receiving. It creates so much turmoil. So much. Because did you ever feel resentful for people who could receive well? That they were like, what's wrong with them? They don't understand they're not supposed to be able to do that. Me to remember to start this again. So, 
Somewhere in the past, we made decisions that became our beliefs. So anybody, can anybody give an example of a belief that came from the past? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Right. So we, we made a decision about ourselves at some point. We did an evaluation where we decided, I'm not going. And that became our belief. And it, it could also be, just to give another kind of example, you know, a child can have an experience with a dog, the dog frightens them, and then the belief is that dogs are scary, dogs are dangerous, right? So all, that's how our beliefs are formed. I think it's really, really helpful to understand at all times that beliefs tell you how spicy the dishes are by how many red peppers are on the side of the menu. Mm. <laughs> you know? And so um, to me, a, a judgment is more just like a super spicy opinion. <laughs> but it's still an opinion. It's still a judgment. And it's still a belief. They're just never true. I'm open to any exception. So what happens in our thought process what happens is that we start with this uh, actually I'm going to do it this way we start with this belief here which is a, a past decision Say it again? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. what I want. It doesn't matter what I want. 
to never do that, to never have what I want, won't have a good life, nobody's ever going to like me, can't get a good job. So, and the thing that's really important to realize is that our, these thoughts are not true. Truth is true. Some thoughts are in alignment with the truth and some are in alignment with our belief system. But here's one of the things that's important to understand is that with truth, just recycling the same old thing. So the way to move out of the beliefs is to really be interested in the truth. So most people are just recycling the same flavors of thoughts over and over again. They're, uh, they're magnetizing it to their awareness from their belief system. So what we would like to do is to align with the truth. So truth is healing. And any idea why the truth is healing? Why it sets you free? you to realign with and be at the vibratory level of your true self without beliefs. We live in a world right now where more and more people are interested in the truth, but people are also saying things like, my truth is. But we don't have individual versions of the truth. Because if we did, we wouldn't have any truths. We'd just be back to beliefs. Right? So one of the things that we help our clients with is, is it true or is it a belief? Is it true or is it a belief? And usually they can begin to get this. It just depends on how much spiritual work they've already done. But even people who are just beginning, if you really know what you're talking about, they'll get it from your knowing. So, in your experience, Sheila, of uh, feeling more comfortable giving than receiving, what, what is some truth in there? What are some beliefs?
So it was taught to you, and that's what was taught to you, made the outlaws seem innocent. But you can see that he came as a leader and operates in that. What would be the advantages of that belief? So what I can honestly say is that I, I used to have a lot of giving to get because I just would feel superior. And because I also, I wanted to be able to tap people in and say, can you do something for me today? Because I didn't think people would do things for me just because they loved me, because I didn't feel lovable. So I felt like I had to manipulate people to do things for me. And what is wonderful now is that I do not experience people giving to me in order to get something from me. I don't experience that. And I've had to learn to be a really good receiver because you cannot run a ministry on donations and not be a good receiver. You have to be a really good receiver or you can't pay your bills. So I had to learn how to be a great receiver. But this is one of the most, I think, crushing things I've seen that the, when I think of the lightworker body, the body of people who are lightworkers in this world, is this whole uh, getting to give and to receive. Um, because a lot of them, it leads them into um, lack, and they, it's lack and limitations on what they share. And it leads to experiences of lack and limitations. So giving to get is manipulative. That leads to lack because it's, um, you find you don't feel worthy of just receiving. It's 
Which is why we see sometimes people drawn to ministry who don't feel good inside. They're looking for some kind of external validation uh, to try and offset how awful they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. So they're giving in order to get that validation. But the thing, the thing that we're here to do as spiritual counselors is to interrupt affirming the in order to get to the truth, what the truth is saying. Because the truth is, nobody needs to give anything to anyone in order to be validated. We're already pre-validated, pre-approved. <laughs> already. Yeah, I mean, we just can't be any more holy or perfect than we already are. That's just the, the truth of it.
So as long as we just keep saying, uh, God's the authority in my life, love is the authority in my life, truth is the authority in my life. And you know what really works in me is really reaching out to the Ascended Masters, the angels, that that consciousness that is higher than fifth dimension that can see beyond time and space and say, you show me, you guide me, you lead me, I'm going to have faith in you. And that's the thing that has healed my mind. It's consistently realizing I, I don't want to operate on my own anymore. I saw, I, I was free to dream dream for myself, misery and suffering for myself. Don't want to operate that way anymore. So being able to So what we're doing with our clients is we're sitting with them knowing that with two or more who are gathered, we can know the truth together. And part of the, 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 the biggest part of the equation that we try to focus on first, you relinquishing your opinions about your clients. Because those are your projections based on your perceptions, based on your history and your your beliefs. So we're, we're taking your beliefs and your thoughts out and we're just going for a realization of truth. Ernest Holmes said, the only times time that it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization, which is no time at all. And it's like you said, Lana, that you know, we had that session uh, and that shifted things for you in that one session. So that's one of the things I'd like to teach you this week is to be able to go into each session knowing that the client will not need another session. Particularly, they won't need another session about this issue that it will be resolved in this, in this session. Not because of anything that you're doing or not doing, but because it can be done and you're, you and your client are agreed that you're willing. So that's one of the big things is working with the clients to be willing. So here's what I'd like to do is to, um, this evening, to give you the homework instead of uh, so what you're going to do tonight is you're going to do sessions with each other. So uh, we'll do uh, another threesome and two pairs, so we can match up with Ernest time. And uh, what I would, uh, uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is um, there will there will always be at least one person who um, ha is going to be short one session with Ernest. So. Um, each of you, each of you, 
before we meet again in the morning. Each of you is to be the alpha and the claw. You pick him. And you can do whatever length of session that feels right to you. I'll let you folks decide that. Um, I would say 30 minutes is a minimum. Um, and so you'll each be playing each of these roles, but there will be one person probably in that threesome who will only play one, one of those two roles. So then you just need to make sure that the next time in uh, that, that um, you're, you're not, that you get that made up. Did, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it'll just be, um, it, it'll, it'll roll through the week if you want to go there. Because we all see that in our hands. There's mysticism works there that way. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that you're going to be doing in the session today, the focus is to be looking at your beliefs, what is the underlying belief that's not true, because all beliefs are not true. So you're going to be helping your client to see if they can discover what is the belief that's not true, and then to see, discover what are the thoughts that they're attracting into their mind, magnetized in by their belief, and then what is the actual truth? What is the actual truth? And here's a way to think of it. The belief is like a little dancing thing. So you're going to help your client discover what is the false belief. And what are the thoughts that are being magnetized or attracted into their awareness that are congruent with that belief? Are they there? The uh, magnetized or attracted uh, that are congruent with that belief. It's because like attracts like. And then what is the actual truth? That's going to be the focus of your session. Now, I'll give you an example. Someone has a belief that they just, you could say someone has a belief that they could never be a successful spiritual counselor. They just feel like, I really have a desire for it, I just don't believe it's really possible for me. So then, what are the thoughts that keep running into their mind, and they keep being like, well, see, I, I don't have an office space where I could do sessions, or, geez, I'm just terrible on Skype and things like that, I'm not technology. So I have to be able to do my sessions in person, but I don't have a place to do it. You know, or how would I get clients? I, d I don't know anything about marketing. I don't have a website. I, you know, all these kinds of thoughts come in, which are just being magnetized by this belief. 
is the way it works is these thoughts seem to prove the belief, but the fact is that the belief comes first. When we eliminate the belief, the thoughts go away. So I have the belief that uh, I'll never be able to be successful as a spiritual counselor. I've got all these thoughts that agree with that. And then my experience is I, I can't find the space to rent. And I've gone to 10 different places and no one wants to rent to me. Or it's too expensive. So there you go. But you see, it's just my mind's not open to succeeding and so convinced of the belief. Or I have the perfect office. I set it up. I have a fountain. You know, <laughs> I have a feng shui. Right? And five clear panels. Mm -hmm. And everything. But no clients. My clients keep canceling on me. Things like that. It's, and it's just because I'm, I'm not faithful to that belief. It's not, not for me. So, but what's the truth? And the truth is, Do you, is this something you actually desire, really desire? Will you let the ego have that? The truth is, God will send you the clients when you receive them. I love the story of Joel Goldstein, the Christian science practitioner. He was, um, he was working in Los Angeles, and um, he, he, he has a practitioner, and he started with, he would drop, he would take the bus to see his clients. And he could only see two or three clients a day to do spiritual counseling for them um, as a Christian science practitioner. And then people started to have miraculous healings. This one guy said, I'll drive you around, Joel, so you can see my clients. Right? And then Joel got an office and people started coming to see him. And then um, he married this woman who had a, a son who was going off to so in Boston, and he wanted to keep the family together because California to Boston back, back in the day was a long way away. So they decided to move the whole family to Boston. So he wrote to the board of trustees of the, the mother church, the Christian Science Church in Boston, and said, um, "Thank you for bringing my family. I'm a Christian Science practitioner. This is my profession, and I want to let you know we're going to be arriving in October." And um, he got a letter back from them saying, Joel, you might be able to make a living as a Christian science practitioner in Los Angeles, because Los Angeles is a, it's got different attitudes and ways. You won't be able to do that. If you don't move your family here, you won't be able to succeed. You won't be able to support yourself. And Joel wrote them back and said, I'm pretty sure the spiritual principle works everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so just to prove the point, I will rent an office space, and I won't put out a sign, I won't advertise in any way, I'll just wait for the clients to come. And within, I forget how long it was, maybe a year to two years, he was seeing approximately 140 people per day, like five minutes a piece. You're in, pray, you're out. <laughs> he's, he's famous for healing tuberculosis and 14 other practitioners who 
took offices in the building to catch this overflow, and they were all throwing the shade. That's the consciousness that we are going through. Because we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to do the work. We just have to be willing. We just have to be willing. That was what I realized in my ministry, is I, I heard it as if for the first time. If I be lifted up, I draw all things near. And I heard that, and I realized, that's my marketing campaign. I'm going to raise my consciousness up, and then if it's to happen, it will happen. And I don't have to figure it out. I just have to be willing. And it, you know, it took years, but it, it it's working. <laughs> it's going. And what's more is I don't feel insecure. I don't feel like a fake or a fraud. I feel very comfortable with myself. I feel very good about it. And I, I enjoy it very much. I'm very happy doing what I do. So this is your, your homework, is to help your client figure out what are the false beliefs, what are the thoughts that they're thinking, and then what is the actual truth. Um, and I do encourage you to say a blessing or a prayer to make whoever that you feel comfortable doing in the opening and the closing of your session. And the opening prayer is to bless the session, and the closing prayer is to know that the healing is done. Is to know what? Just know that the healing is done. Okay. It's done. It's complete forever. So you can make your own arrangements. Um, some of you may want to do all your sessions tonight after dinner. Some of you may say, you know, let's, I'd like to do one tonight, one in the morning. However you would like to do it is fine. So you can break the silence in the morning for the purpose of doing the session. That's no problem, but otherwise we're in the silence. And... Um, figure all that out now and then uh, unfold it however you want. You're using your rooms, the lounge, there's the room downstairs in the building over there. They're going to be in here tonight. They've got a thing going on in here tonight. So then this room is not available. Um, sometimes you can use the dining room. Start with client, the client or a counselor that you worked with before. If you want. So you clear off the, the headphones? Yes. First of all. Right.
loop of life coming in. Mm-hmm. Feel very called to take this life and perfect evidence of our own true nature. Such a beautiful, pristine life. So grateful and thankful for our yet, for the yet, for the healing of our own mind and the healing of our kind. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to infinite love and elegance, beauty us and guiding us through our time this evening to come in and learn. So grateful to bless the meals that we eat and the hands that prepare them. Giving thanks to Mother Earth for all that she shares with us. So grateful to know that we truly are following our destiny and sharing our own knowledge, sharing the benefits with everyone because they're one with us. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I'll be excited to hear about your sessions in the morning. So we'll come back in the morning at 9.30.